Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, and then we're going to read Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let me read this from the NIV. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. Amen. Just want to take this time to say hello, and especially to all of our online podcast listeners as well. And a special hello to Ian and May, who are in Taiwan. Ian, your code this week is to post on my Facebook page, one plus one equals two, because he still hasn't said anything about that joke from last week. So obviously, uh, <laughs> he's listening. I don't know if you guys are into sport. Uh, I'm into sport. The NBA, uh, which stands for the National Basketball Association. <laughs> I nearly said National Basketball America, but that's not right. Uh, the NBA is the American basketball competition. It's the, it's the largest basketball competition in the world. Uh, a lot of our guys follow it. The current champions are the Golden State Warriors, and they... they one James, James is a fan. He's a um, he's a bandwagon fan. He's not a real fan. As soon as they lose, he'll move. You you know that's James. Um, I, I'm into marketing, and so I love when sport and marketing come together. And the the Golden State Warriors that their motto I think is one of the best mottos in in not just in basketball teams, but in all sporting teams. And their motto is this, strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. And, and, and what this means is by definition, and, and I typed it into Google, and what does strength in numbers mean? It means a group of people has more influence or power than just one person. Strength in numbers. So what does this mean for a basketball team? It means that no one superstar is greater than the team itself. One superstar is not more important than the whole team. Like the greatest basketball player, it doesn't matter how great you are when you're playing a five versus five competition, it doesn't matter how good you are, one player cannot beat five. I think. I was just thinking about Jordan. He could, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm good. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. And the question that I want to address tonight is this. In our faith, as we do this journey as Christians, would strength in numbers be a motto for us? 
What about our church? Would strength in numbers be a motto for our church? Would it, would it relate to us? You know, are, are, we, are we doing life together? Or are we trying to be that spiritual hero? I don't need anyone. I'm just going to do this. You know, while I was preparing this, you know, questions like this, like, why do we meet? You know, Sunday night, why do we get together? Or life groups, small groups, you know, like they're finished, but, you know, we've got our men's and our women's ministry. Why, why do we meet like that? Why do all the guys get together and all the girls get together? You know, can't we just be Christian on our own? More recently, with the rise of technology, uh, online blogs and video blogs, uh, sermons online, podcasts, electronic articles, online forums, all of these things are actually leading us away from the gathering. And the question is, do we need gathering when we can sit at home in front of our computer or in front of our Bible and just read it? Tonight, I want to share with you, not my opinion, but God's opinion upon this matter. And I pray that you would really hear what God thinks about the way we do this journey of faith. God's story starts in Genesis 1, the beginning of the Bible, in a creative uh, narrative where God creates the world in six days. And in, 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 in those six days, He creates everything in the world. Every day after his creation, he sits back and he marvels at his own creation. And he goes, he says what? It is good. It is good. It is good. And on the last day when he created man, he said what? It is very good. But actually within the creative uh, narrative story of, of God's creation, there is one verse where actually God where God says that it is not good. And it's Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. It is not good. You know, God, after God created a man out of dirt, breathed life into him, his spirit into him, he recognized that it was not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? Put the man in a deep sleep, took a rib, and created a woman to be his partner in life. See, right from creation, God shows us straight away that we're not meant to do this life alone. And of course, within Adam and Eve, we're talking about marriage. But I believe that you take that idea into humanity. It's not just about companionship in marriage, but it's also companionship outside, within community, within family, that it is not good for man to be alone. Now, many of us would already know this. Many of us already know this idea that it's not good to be alone. It's boring to be alone. I'm an extrovert, so alone time is what hell would be like. Like, I, I literally would sit at home, and if I have, like, nothing to do or no one to meet, that's hell. That's, like, legit hell in my mind, right? But even for the most introverted of introverts, you would know that you cannot survive alone. It is not good for you to be alone. And, and 
I don't know about you, but for me personally, it's in my alone times that I do stupid things. The most stupidest things that I've done have been done in my alone time. I shared this once with you, like uh, <laughs> I've deleted the videos. But once I was alone at home and I thought, I wonder what it would sound like if I recorded myself singing and playing guitar on the computer. Or maybe if it goes well, maybe I'll put it up on YouTube and I'll become a YouTube star and then I can tour worldwide. And so I did it. I, I, like, I legit, it went from thought to action and I did it and it was horrible. And so I deleted it straight away and God forgave me of my sin. Uh, you're not meant to be alone. God didn't create us to be alone. See, there's strength in numbers. There's purpose in numbers. See, the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a, a book all about wisdom, okay? This is what it reads, right? And remember, this is wisdom, okay? Let me read it again. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Just in, even in, this, in these four verses about the wisdom of togetherness, there are three things I believe that this passage shows us about the strength in numbers. Okay, number one, there's strength in numbers. We can help each other. Verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the guy or girl who has no friends, who is going through a tough time, pulls out their phone and has no one to call. Pity that person. And you feel sorry for them? You know, I, I, I always thought that everyone had heaps of friends. I, I, I literally thought that in this life, Everyone must have lots of friends. And to tell you the truth, it's because I have a lot of friends. I'm just saying, okay? I just thought everyone had friends. But the longer I've been living my life and the more people that I meet, I realize that actually there's a lot of lonely people in this world. There's a lot of people that don't have people that they can rely on, that they can share their burden with. And that's what this verse is saying. If either of them falls down. See, when you fall down, if you have numbers, what happens? They help you up. When you're struggling in life, if you have those numbers, if you're a part of those numbers, you have people to help you. But if you don't, well, you're on your own. You've got to get through it by yourself. And that's hard. That's hard. Anyone that's gone through this situation of trying to get through life by themselves would understand that's really hard. This is what the Bible is saying. Strength in numbers helps each other. Number two, strength in numbers, we learn to share. Verse 11, also if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And all the husbands said, Amen. Amen. When we have numbers, we become resourceful. Because we now have things to share. The example used here is heat. 
warmth. <laughs> you got to understand when this, re- like when this was written, it's not like you know, because because you know it says you know, but how can one keep warm alone? It's like the heater. <laughs> well, if you lie down with your heater, and if that's your companion, that's really sad. Okay, I have pity on you. You know, this is back in the day where there was no electricity. There was no, like, fancy blanket. There was no electric blanket, obviously, because there was no electricity. Like, imagine you had an electric blanket without electricity. It's just a blanket. <laughs> okay. I thought that was funny. <laughs> this, is a, this is a huge encouragement to all single people. Okay? And you know what? Like, yes, God is... God doesn't say that everyone must get married. But I really believe that God wants people to get married. Okay, and he says, hey, if, if you've got the gift of single, and, and, and Paul calls it the gift, and many people don't like that gift, they want to refund that gift, but, you know, if you get the gift, you get the gift, what can you do, right? And people are like trying not to look at me right now. I don't have the gift, don't talk to me, pastor, you know, preach to that person, you know. When you find someone that you can share warmth, warmth, warmth with, oh, that's a tongue twister, warmth with. Not just in a physical way, but in an emotional way, and also in a spiritual way. See, that, that's what strength in numbers does. Strength in numbers allows us to share with each other. Thirdly, we learn that strength in numbers, we can fight for each other. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. When we have numbers... We can fight each other. Or not fight each other. Fight for each other. Yes, we can fight each other too, but that's a different story. That's a different sermon. We can fight for each other. We can defend each other. Uh, I don't know if you know much about uh, uh, guerrilla warfare or war in, uh, warfare soldiers and, and whatnot. But at night, when they were uh, going to sleep, right, they would sleep back to back with one other person. Right, and that they would sit there leaning on each other, and the whole idea was that they would lean on each other so that they could not only uh, there for support, but then they had 360 degree vision of what was obviously behind and in front of them. See, they could defend for each other, whereas if you're by yourself, you've got blind spots. And here's the thing about life: we all have blind spots. We all have things in our lives that we, we are a little bit blind to. And the reason why there's strength in numbers and the way that we can defend each other is to have people in our lives that can, in love and gentleness, can remind us of our blind spots and look out for us. Because the truth is this, no one is holy enough No one is holy enough to say that I can do this by myself. I can defend my faith. I can defend against temptation and trial and struggle all by myself. If that's you, you, you're a fool. You're a fool. Everyone has blind spots. Everyone needs people. But the person that says, I'm messed up. I need people to fight for me. I need people to help me defend. That's where strength in numbers comes in. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Well, what about a cord of five strands? 
or a cord of 20 strands or a cord of 100 strands just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. See, this was the picture of the first church. You know, the first church didn't start one guy go, guys, I'm going to plant a church. Who's with me? It wasn't one person's brilliant idea. It was a communal idea that moved. It was a movement. It was a collective movement of people. And if you read about the first church, they never operated individually. But there was always strength in numbers. Let me read the, the, the picture, Acts 2, 42 to 47, which gives us the first picture of the first church. They, whew, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, not just some people, not just the holy people, not just the people that sit in the first front, uh, front first rows. I'm struggling today, hey, a little bit. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. All the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the picture of the first church. And this is the same picture of the church that needs to exist today. We were created for community because we are stronger together. We are stronger when we're together than when we're by ourselves. Lions hunt in packs. Why? Because they are more effective in what they do. In the same way, the people of God are more effective when we are together, when we are gathered. This is the reason why we gather every Sunday night. Every Sunday night, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Not 6.05 not 6.10, some of you 6.20, okay? I'm just going to close my eyes. I don't want to judge you. Don't look at people, okay? 6. 5.55 if you really love Jesus. That's why we get together and pray together, okay? 4 p.m. prayer meeting. That's why we have prayer groups. You meet once a week for 30 minutes to share your life and pray. You gather. That's why, that's why we're getting together for men's and women's ministry for six weeks. Because there is strength in numbers. As we build community and fellowship, we all grow stronger and more faithful to God. You know, the goal of community is not that one person would strive and become strong and everyone else is left behind. No, the point of gathering is that everyone moves together. God never intended for us to do this journey alone. But as we talk about the power in the gathering, you've got to understand, the power, the greatest power that we have in our gatherings is not you, me, the other person that turned up to the meeting. 
The real power, the ultimate power that, 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 that comes in these gatherings comes from Jesus Christ himself. Because he says, Matthew 18, 24, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is where our strength comes from. You can't get a bunch of idiots together and think that you're not going to be a bunch of idiots. You know, you know, blind leading the blind, right? Our power and our effectiveness of, of who we are as a church is not because you came and because you came and it's not because you came. It's because when you came and you came and you came, Jesus showed up. And it's His strength and His power that is, that is dwelling in this place. That's where we become strong as a community. See, the problem is that we live in a world that, that promotes individualism. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. No, no, no. That's wrong. Yes, no, you can't. It really should be, yes, we can. And not because of you, not because of you, not because of you, but because when we get together, Jesus is there. You know, we live in a world that, that moves to an idea that if I succeed, that's all that matters. It's all about my success. It's all about, you know, what I can do or what I can bring or who I can become. Whereas Christianity is never about the I. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus brings holistically in community. See, sadly, some churches, the mentality of the world has seeped into churches and there are churches that don't meet. They barely meet. It's like, why are we meeting again? We, we already saw each other on Sunday. Why do we need to see each other on Wednesday? And I just feel like, well, I don't think you've understood what God intended. How do we make sure that we don't fall into the temptation and the trap of becoming individualistic? Well, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me quickly break this down. Consider. Let us consider, which means what? Think about it. So many Christians just live their lives without thinking. And this is not a whole like, are you a thinker or a feeler? Everyone can think because everyone's got a brain. Think about it. To what? How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How we can help each other. How we can encourage each other. How we can inspire each other to, to, to be more like Jesus and live the life that Jesus wanted for us. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward uh, love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. You need to meet. You need to gather. And you gotta, you got to make time for each other. What? And what do we do when we get together? We encourage each other. Which is what? You help each other. You speak into each other's lives. You, you look at the blind spots of the other person. You defend them. You fight for them. You share your resources with them. 
all the more as you see the day approaching. And we remind each other that this world isn't the end all and be all, but there is an eternity waiting for us. Let me quickly ask you this question. How important is meeting for you? Let me tell you. Okay, we, we've, been on, we've been on break, right, for two weeks. No live Chris for two weeks now. Okay? And so we've had no scheduled meetings. We, we haven't had, we don't have monthly prayer meetings now on a Friday. Let me tell you right now, I, I'll tell you right now, black and white, whether you think that this is important or not, did you meet anyone in our church community this week except Sunday? Oh, but we didn't have life group. Oh, but we didn't have prayer meeting. And here's the thing. If you need a schedule, then it's not important to you. That's obligation. That's duty. Let me tell you, it's really simple. We invest time into things that are important. Isn't that right? Whatever is important to us, our time goes. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Where, whatever is important to you, you invested time into this week. Okay? If you didn't meet anyone from our church community just because there was no life group and no prayer meeting and no other scheduled meetings, let me tell you, black and white, it's not important to you. You, don't, you haven't understood what God is saying. You haven't understood the importance of meeting together. You haven't understood strength in numbers. Simple. So what do we do as a church? We help you. We encourage you to meet. We put on these meetings. We put on these ministries. But of course, what we would love is that we didn't need to schedule anything because you just did it. Because you believed that that's what God wanted. How arrogant the man. How arrogant that fool that believes that they can do a Christian journey all by themselves. That they don't need anyone else. Years ago, we had a, we were organizing a meeting for, I think, one of our leaders' meetings. And there wasn't really an agenda for the meeting. Like, there wasn't much happening that month. And so we, we didn't, you know, we sent out an agenda. There wasn't really much of an agenda. And, and one of the leaders came back and said, why don't we just not have the meeting? Like, there's not much that we need to talk about. There's, there's not much that we need to do, so why don't we just cancel the meeting? Like, isn't it just a waste? Like, it feels like we're having a meeting for the sake of the meeting. And you know what? From a worldly perspective, right on. Why would you meet with no agenda? Why would you meet just for the sake of having a meeting? What a waste of time. What a waste of resources. But from a Christian's perspective, the meeting is the point. The gathering is the point. It's not what can we get out of the gathering. It's not what can I get when I go and meet these people. It's not a, you know, if I invest this, what can I get out? The meeting is the point. Gathering is the point. It's the point of community that God pours into every single one of us from the beginning until the end. He is a communal God. He's all about community. And whether it be an 
a formal meeting like a life group or a prayer meeting, or whether it be a coffee, tea, brunch, lunch, dinner, movie, whatever it is. Gathering is the point because there is strength in numbers. When we gather, we have a chance to encourage each other. We have a chance to share resources with each other. We have a chance to defend each other in our blind spots. We have a chance to be encouraged in our soul. Not necessarily because of the other person, but because when you two, three gather in the name of Jesus, he will be there. I want to challenge you tonight. I really want to challenge you tonight. You know, for me, gathering uh, comes a little bit more naturally. Uh, One, I'm just extroverted. And, you know, like there's so many articles like, you know, like being an introvert doesn't, doesn't mean that you cannot be, you know, welcoming and friendly. And, and, and I'm going to say that to all the introverts in this room. You can't use I'm an introvert to, to not meet people. Okay? You can't use I'm socially awkward to not meet people. You can't use I'm busy to not meet people. Because at the end of the day, it's really simple, guys. Your time goes with what's important. Your time goes with what's important. And you might be like, well, yes, Steve, you know, you don't know my life and I'm so busy. And I'm like, okay, you might be busy, but don't tell that to me. Tell that to the God you worship and you follow. You explain that to him. Friends, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you at the same time. If you're not really a people kind of a person, one of my leaders just sent me their discipleship material. I'm discipling all of our leaders, and, and one of their, their goals for this year is to meet, uh, <laughs> meet a person from church outside of church once a month, right? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, come on, man, like, you got seven days in a week, you can... Knock that over heaps quick, you know? Like, like I, sometimes I meet three to four people in one day if I can schedule it well, right? But I realize, you know, this person, they're like, look, if I can meet one person, one new person a month, then in the year I would have met 12 people. And, and, and what was so encouraging about that was it was something that was intentional. He, you know, they were like, I need to do this because this is important. I'm not very good at it. I, you know, I, I, I'm, this, I'm not used to it, but it's important to God, so I'm going to make it important to me. If it's important to God, you've got to make it important to you if you're going to follow God. And so for the introverts, for the, for the busy, whatever you want to call it, I want to challenge you. What's more important than what God wants for you? What's more important than what God wanted for your life? Like, are you above God's requirements? Oh, you know, the extroverted people or the welcoming team can do that. Oh, you know, I don't need to do that because other people. Excuse me? Are you that, are you that strong that you don't need people? Are, are you that good that you don't need people to help you? 
I want to encourage you. And I think it's a really simple indicator this week, in the last seven days, from last Sunday to this Sunday. If you haven't met anyone for the sake of faith, okay, it doesn't even have to be in our church. But intentionally you met, hey, would you like a coffee? Hey, let's have a meal. Hey, you want to watch a movie? Whatever it might be. If you haven't intentionally made time to gather, then, then you have made time for something else. And you've got to work that out with God, whether that's more important. Here's the thing, friends. When we gather, there is strength in numbers. When we gather, there is strength in numbers. And I pray that as the, as the passage in Hebrews says, that we would not give up meeting together. As some do. Some of them are you. Sometimes the Bible speaks contextually and then sometimes it just speaks right here, right now. For some of you, you're like, I'm so sick of meeting people. I'm just going to wait for the life groups to start up. I'm just going to wait for men's and women's ministries to start up again. And then I'm going to meet. I'm going to sit back and Netflix and chill. And I'm like, well, then you go and worship Netflix because I don't know if God's going to be too happy with that one. You've got to work that out. There's, there's, there, I just want to finish with a few examples of people that, that inspire me in our church. Because, I, I, look, not everyone is as bad as I'm saying out to be. Some people are really good. Some of the guys went and watched a movie last night, Spider-Man. Good movie, yeah? They could have watched it by themselves. You know, watching a movie is not a social activity. Let's just get that out, right? For you that are dating, okay, I, I used to, when I was dating, my wife, I was dating my wife, okay, okay, just getting it out there, right? I'll be honest, and I've confessed my sin to my wife. When I was tired, I would be like, hey, honey, let's go watch a movie. And then she'd be like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And then later she worked it out. I'm just sleeping. I'm just tired. It was a very antisocial. Watching movies is not a social thing, but the before and after is very social. Good job, guys. <laughs> This, this morning, through Instagram stories, you know, people having brunch, it annoys me because they, they all take the same photo and I have to see it three different times. <laughs> but I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that people are meeting. I, 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 I don't want to single anyone out, but Anthony Bion lives interstate. Pretty much, he lives interstate in Kempsey. Borderline needs a passport. And yet, you know what? He intentionally meets people outside of Sundays. And anyone that knows him would know this. He will drive an hour to go meet someone for 15 minutes. He inspires me. He encourages me. That's what we do for each other. That's the strength in numbers. Because you know why? People in this room are struggling even right now. And if you don't meet them, you don't know. If you don't meet them, you can't help them. So why do we bother having community if we can't help each other? If we can't do the, the thing that God wanted for us to be a part of this community? Friends, strength in numbers. The mums, this is a new little community that, it just used to be Mel. She used to be a community by herself. But we, we got these mums, and now Mel is the, the ringleader of these mums. <laughs> like, it's like a gang. <laughs> so, 
man, what a, what a great community. You know how hard it is to be a newborn's mum? It's like you don't know what you're doing and the baby can't even tell you what's wrong with them. But having these other mums who have experienced life, who have gone through that stage to be like, hey, it's okay, babies cry. My grandma's so funny. She goes, it's okay, bra- babies, babies never die crying. I said, wow, that's, that's profound, grandma. <laughs> but sometimes you need to hear that from someone else because you're like, why are they crying? There's strength in numbers. Can I tell you? And, and to challenge you, if you're struggling right now and you're like, you know what, I, I need that community. I need that strength. Okay? As a church, we want to help you. We, that's why we've got men's and women's ministry. As a church, that's why we've got life group. That's why we've got prayer meetings. That's why we've got prayer groups. But can I encourage you, don't, don't wait for that. Talk to the person next to you. After church, we have no meal, right? No sense. In a scheduled meal. Does that mean you, you don't and can't have a meal with someone else tonight? No. Go and have a meal with someone. Hey, be generous. Share your resource. If you earn more money than them, shout them. That's the rule. Whoever earns the most money pays. I love that rule because I don't earn much money. It's the best rule. Let's build community. Let's not give up meeting together, even when you don't like them. I'm not even going to go there tonight, but sometimes when you spend a lot of time together meeting the same people, sometimes, you know, they can, they can you know, they can push your buttons, okay? That's the difference. Oh, maybe I'll preach on that next week. Maybe I'll preach on that next week. That's good. Pastor, who knows what he's doing next week? Do not give up meeting together because there is strength in numbers. Amen? Let's pray.